series, Deception in the Church, part seven, the attack on the Word of God. Now remember the four things I keep, keep telling you, if you differ with me on four things, I will just shut you down, I will shut you out, I'll have nothing to do with you. I will not apologize to you, I will not feel guilty, I will not feel worried in any way, shape or form. One of them, which we've dealt with, is Jesus and the attack against Jesus, and I showed you a little bit about the doctrine, where it came from, and we highlighted the little God's doctrine. <coughs> Excuse me. The second one we'll begin with, and we'll probably spend the next couple of weeks on, is the attack against the Word of God. So I will probably minister one, one or two more sermons on the attack against the Word of God, and then Karen will probably do about two to three sermons on the Word of God itself, and then we'll go into the other two attacks on salvation or Calvary and the attack on godly behavior and how they're diminishing godly behavior because of their teachings. So today we're going to start off by looking at how the Gnostics attack the Word of God. Now think of a boxer coming at you, a fighter coming at you, and he's going to lay two punches on you, a right and a left. He's going to hit you one right, one left. Now, these are not political right and lefts, so I'm just going to refer to left and right. So the right punch is going to come in at you, and we're going to be looking at the more charismatic or charismaniac attack against the church with the right punch. The left punch is more progressive, liberal, emergent church hit. Okay, and we're going to be looking at those two. To begin with, I need to share with you what I believe the Word of God is, and I need to share with you what the, the doctrine of Lifehouse Church is with regards to the Word of God. And so I'm going to read it to you here, and it's on the board there, our first slide. We believe in the divine inspiration of the Holy Scriptures as the revelation of the mind and will of God. On the authority of Jesus Christ, we accept them in their original form as the divine word, which, when heaven and earth pass away, shall yet endure. Matthew chapter 5, 17 to 18. Matthew 24, verse 35. 1 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. 2 Peter 1, 19 to 21. And Revelation 22, verse 19. The word of God to me, this is my personal opinion, guides me into all truth. So when I pick up the Bible, this book, this book guides me to Jesus and it keeps me in Christ. Because Jesus, this is the word, I believe this is the word of God, but I believe Jesus is the word. So the word of God, the Bible, will guide me to Jesus who is the word. This establishes around me barriers. All right, it keeps me safe, it keeps me in freedom. So it's got barriers around me, and it teaches me how to operate and walk in freedom. The Word of God guides me on becoming free. It gives me an understanding of exactly what freedom is, and it, and, and it shows me that through Christ I can walk in freedom, and this book teaches me how to walk in it, how to get into it, and how to maintain my freedom. This book also warns me about my enemies. It tells me that my enemies are on the loose. It tells me my enemies hate me. And it tells me that the purpose of my enemies is to get me to go outside the barriers, lose my freedom, and become a slave to sin. 
This book also shows me and teaches me the correct protocols in entering into the spiritual dimension. Without these protocols, I will be in serious danger from the enemies of God in the spiritual dimension. It teaches me the protocols in entering God's presence. In one of the video clips I'm going to show you here today, you can see a young man that has no clue on protocols of entering into God's presence. And to me, it is tragic. In this manual, this manual is a manual of life. It teaches me about life. It shows me how I can, can get everything that I possibly can out of this life within the parameters of heading me towards Jesus and keeping the freedom that Jesus has given to me. So we're looking at two forms of attack today. They come from one source. They come from the Gnostics or the New Ages, and the Gnostics get them from the devil. Now some doctrines, remember the right punch, some doctrines of the Word of Faith movement, and some doctrines left emergent movement, these doctrines are actually coming from Gnosticism. And this teaching has been around since the devil has been on planet Earth. Alice Bailey of the Theosophical Movement made a prophetic declaration, now she's a false prophet, in 1957. And this is what she said. I want you to listen carefully. The coming struggle will emerge within the churches themselves. All right? This is someone who is not a, a servant of God, and this is what she is saying. The fight will then spread to thinking men and women everywhere who, in a protesting revolt, have denied orthodox Christianity and theology. That is crucial for you to understand. They are going to deny biblical theology. And this is what's going to come into the church. Now, she said that in 1957. Last week, I gave you the definition of what a theosophical society is. I want to just reiterate it to you, and then there are three words I want to highlight to you. And when you watch the video, I want you to remember these three words. Any number of philosophies, this is theophysy, any number of philosophies maintaining that a knowledge of God may be achieved through spiritual ecstasy, direct intuition, or special individual revelations. All right? Now, you need to understand those three words. You need to know those three words because those three words are coming in on the right hook and coming in on the left hook constantly to the church today. Spiritual ecstasy, direct intuition, special individual revelations. <coughs> Marilyn Ferguson, a new ager, all right? No friend of the church. In her book, The Aquarian Conspiracy, on pages 371 and 377, writes this. An increasing number of churches and synagogues have begun to enlarge their context. Notice buzzwords now. Now the heretics are gaining ground. Doctrine is losing its authority, and knowing is superseding belief. All right? That's a knowledge-based belief system. I believe, I experience, therefore... That is the truth. Now, she goes on and writes, the radical center of spiritual experience seems to be knowing without doctrine. 
The teacher does not impart knowledge but technique. This is the transmission of knowledge by direct experience. Doctrine, on the other hand, is second-hand knowledge, a danger. Now, this is someone in the enemy's camp. Knowing God through a book according to the New Ages, knowing God through a book according to the people of the Word of Faith movement, knowing God through a book, the Bible, according to the people of the emergent movement, is old-fashioned. It doesn't give a full revelation. It is inferior. We need to gain more knowledge we need to read into what the actual writer has said. What he said, he doesn't really mean. So we need to go into it a little bit more in depth to understand what he means. So where does this originally come from? It comes from our normal place where all things spring, Genesis chapter 3. Now God comes to Adam and God says in Genesis chapter 2, and you can read on the slide there, he says these words. <clears throat> The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, to work it and take care of it. It's probably where he made a mistake because he's hanging around the woman eating fruit instead of working, so we wouldn't have been in the mess. Anyway, I digress. Verse 16. And the Lord commanded the man. He has the command. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good or evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Next chapter, scene changes. The devil is there with the woman, and the man is next to the woman, and the servant, which is more crafty than any wild animals, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? That's emergence. That's deconstructionalism. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, serpent, now he has adding what shouldn't be added. We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God said you must not eat from the fruit that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, said the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So the word of faith people and the emergent church people, to them, the Bible is not enough. The teachings of the apostles, the teachings of Jesus Christ are not sufficient to, to, to meet our needs today. And so there are two different ways in which they gain new knowledge. Coming out of the charismatic stream, the word of faith people, the false prophetic people, the false apostolic people, they add to. They add to. All right? Through supernatural experiences, they add to. They supplement the Logos. They go into heaven and get new revelation. I will show you this in, another, uh, in, in, in some other sermons. And if you don't understand it, you don't need to worry about it because I, the teacher, will teach you because I have special revelation. You must listen to me because I've been to heaven. I've sat with Peter and had dinner with him, and he explained things to me. God told me this. Therefore, I'm telling you this about the cross. This is what they say. So the charismatic stream adds to the Word of God, 
supplements the word of God through supernatural additional knowledge. Coming out of the um, Protestant liberal movement, coming out of the evangelical movement is, is the, the, the emergent church. Now what they do is they take away from the Bible. They call it deconstructionalism or deconstruction. I'll explain that in a little while. So they come along and they want to have a dialogue with you about what God is saying. They come along and they want to ask questions. Are we not allowed to ask questions? They come along to you and they have a discussion. And what they're doing is they are deconstructing the Word of God. Now listen to this. Any voice that teaches you anything outside of the Scriptures and is not found, found or finding its source within the Scripture will always lead you away from the living God. The Bible is to lead us to Jesus. The Bible is to lead us into a correct relationship with the living God. It is the compass that points us to Christ. It keeps us within the boundaries. It keeps us in freedom. It, it shows us how to become more Christ-like. But today, through various means, these Gnostics, these New Ages, are giving you a left-right punch concerning the Word of God. So let's look at the right punch. Let's look at the hyper-faith people. Let's look at the false prophetic movement. Let's look at the false apostolic movement. And I'm going to give you just two little things regarding what they do with the Word of God. These are the people on the charismatic stream. This attack is dangerous because what this attack does is it lulls the church to sleep so that we do not discern the truth for ourselves. And it puts us into a position where their doctrine comes in and feeds our lusts. It meets the desires that are false. So you've got the health and wealth. You've got well, the wealth and prosperity, I mean. You've got the health gospel, faith healing. You've got, you've got the false prophetic movement. You name it, you can do anything that you want. You just decree it and it will align itself for you. How do I know this? Because God showed me this. And so this teaching leads you into a position where your flesh gets its needs met. And that's why it's dangerous. So one of the basic teachings that these guys come out and start to do is that the Word of God is not enough. Um, you will hear a hint of it in one of the preachers there on the, on, the, on the video clip. According to some of the extreme guys here, they said that even the Apostle Paul, if he had the revelation that we have today, he wouldn't have had, gone, have, have had to have gone through all the bad stuff that he went through in his life. So you go and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 when he got hammered by the church and by false apostles. And they, they, they will go along and say, you see all the stuff that these guys went through? If they knew how to decree and declare and, and, and proclaim, they wouldn't have gone through what they've gone through. We know better. We've heard. We've got more knowledge. We've sat with him in heaven. 
had dinner with them, had dinner with Peter, had dinner with Paul, and they've told us more things. Some of them even go so far as to say that Jesus Christ himself wouldn't have had to have gone through so much. And this whole aspect of, of, of Jesus uh, being poor is ungodly. You'll see it there in the, in the video clip. In practice, these guys only use certain types of scriptures that fit in with their theological viewpoint, with their doctrinal viewpoint. And so they cut out and, and leave out a lot of other scripture that, just, that, that they just can't fit it into their theology. They call themselves word people, people of faith. And they, and they come across as very, very spiritual. These people will actually use specific scriptures in such a way that these scriptures become a formula or law that if you quote them enough, it will change your circumstances. And if your circumstances don't change, then it's because you are not spiritual enough. They will use tongues. I'm Pentecostal. I believe in the charismatic gifts. I believe in the manifestation of the charismatic gifts. But what these guys do with these gifts, I either want to fall down laughing, run away in embarrassment, or just punch them in the head. Honestly, wait until you see this. <laughs> this is crazy stuff. But they come across as spiritual, and people don't then question them. Oh, ooh, he's talking in tongues. Ooh, he must be so spiritual. Go and read what the Bible says about when to talk in tongues. These people will insist that, 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 that if Scripture doesn't line up with their theology, then the Scripture is wrong because they have new revelation. They'll say that Paul, as I mentioned, the apostle, if he had had the revelation and knowledge that we have today, he wouldn't have gone and suffered persecution and trials. These people say that they that um, we are more experienced in the word today and more developed because those guys back then, they were less enlightened than us. And so they come along with, 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 um, with a very, very subtle form of adding to the word of God. Remember what I said last, last week about adding to the word of God, coming in and secretly adding to the word of God? That's what these guys are gonna do. The one big problem with these guys is they cannot exegete Scripture correctly. They cannot interpret Scripture correctly. And they're running around proclaiming the word this, the word that. And, and, and a great many of these teachers are teachers in name only. They're false teachers. They've absorbed a little bit of teaching that suits their flesh, and they're running around proclaiming it, and they are fleecing people left, right, and center. James chapter 3, verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. When I see what these guys are teaching, I fear for them. I fear for them. Let's move on to the emergent church people. <coughs> emergent church is really dangerous. I if, if, I, if I had to weigh up the two, 
I would say that the emergent church for me is, is, is a lot more dangerous in terms of a theology coming out because there are going to be so many people that have gone in and accepted this theology, believing they're going to go to heaven, but they're actually headed for hell. And they are sitting in so-called churches, emergent churches today, holding on to a doctrine that will actually send them to hellfire. These people in the emergent church are going after the cross. They're going after Jesus himself. They're going after our lifestyle. And they are deconstructing it. Let's look at this word deconstruction or deconstructionism. Here's my question. I'm going to give you the definition of deconstruction, but this is my question. Once you hear the definition of deconstruction, will you be able to interpret the Bible through this philosophy? Now, here's the definition. Deconstructionism is a theory of textual criticism or interpretation that denies there is any single correct meaning or interpretation of a passage or a text. Okay. Now, I want you to put two things together. I want you to put the scripture in 2 Peter I gave you last week when they bring falsehood and place it next to truth. Okay? And now understand this definition of a deconstructionalist. So you're going to see a, a, a preacher called Rob Bell on this video. He blatantly say, I'm not a universalist. And yet, he promotes the doctrines of their teaching, agnostic doctrine. God's going to save every, everybody at the end. Here's the definition. Deconstructionalism is a theory of textual criticism or interpretation that denies there is any single correct meaning or interpretation of a passage. All right? Here's the, here's the root of their teaching. Two primary ideas that come right down to the core of what these guys teach. Number one, no passage in the Bible or text can be conveyed in a singular, reliable, consistent, coherent message to everyone who reads it. So if you sit there, Jude, and you read a scripture, and you come and tell me the scripture, and I read the scripture, and I tell you something else, well, I'm right, because I'm a deconstructionist. Why? Because there is no theory of textual criticism or interpretation that denies there is a single correct meaning or interpretation to a passage. All of us can have the same passage of scripture, and we can all have different ideas, and all those ideas are right. Unless you disagree with my idea, then you're wrong. <laughs> Number two, when the author sits down and writes the text, all right, the author who wrote the text is less responsible for the piece's content than are the impersonal forces of culture and language and the author's unconscious ideology. So, Cutting through all of that waffle, that means that when the Apostle Paul or Jesus said something, oh, well, he didn't mean it that way. 
So they can blindly sit and accept ungodly behavior and tear out huge passages of Scripture because of deconstructionalism. Now here's what the Bible says about absolute authority. I've got a few verses of Scripture here. I'll just go through them with you. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4, He is the rock. His works are perfect and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just as He. Isaiah 65, 16, whoever invokes a blessing in the land will do so by the one true God, and whoever takes an oath in the land will swear by the one true God, for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. John 1, 17 to 18, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and in close relationship with the Father and has made known him. Jesus answered, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 15, 26 to 27, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and he also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Galatians 2, 5, we did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Remember my sermon on the philosophies of the world. If you've forgotten it, go back, re-listen to it, because it comes into play because these deconstructionalists come from a philosophy of modernism or postmodernism rationalism. And so they are in the church today, and they are bringing this philosophy, which is pure Gnosticism, disguised with a little bit of religiosity, and basically coming in and giving you false gods. In one of the sermons that we'll be doing, I'll probably give you a clip where there is a meeting in a church in England where there is a joint meeting with Islamic people and the church's people, the church's pastor. And that church's pastor stands up and at the end invokes a prayer to God and then calls him Allah. So these people claim that there's no such thing as absolute truth. So what you need to do is you need to say, are you sure of that? And if they say yes, then you say, well, how can that be? Because you've just made an absolute answer. Anyway, I'm glad you got it, Sam. At the heart of postmodernism and deconstructionalism is a pride and arrogance in the worship of man. And instead of ac accepting what the Bible actually says, the deconstructionist comes along in his arrogance and he interprets what he believes the Bible should say according to the situational ethics in which he finds himself. For example, Brian McLaren, one of the leading emergent light leaders, says this in his book, The Secret Message of Jesus Uncovering the Truth That Can Change Everything on page 7. Many Hindus are willing to consider Jesus as a legitimate manifestation of the divine. Many Buddhists see Jesus as one of humanity's most eligible people. Now here it is. A shared reappraisal of Jesus' message could provide a unique space or common ground for urgently needed religious dialogue. See all the, all the buzzwords there, unique space, common ground, religious dialogue. And it doesn't seem an exaggeration to say that the future of our planet depends on this dialogue. 
this reappraisal of Jesus' message may be the only project capable of saving a number of religions. On page 139 of that book, listen to what he says about Jesus' language. Remember deconstruction? Deconstruction says, I can reinterpret what the actual author means. If Jesus were here today, I am quite certain he wouldn't use the language of the kingdom at all. A better term than the kingdom of God is the dream of God for creation. And then he goes on and says about God's nightmares. That evil and sin, in other words, such things as prisons and conformity are God's nightmares. (coughs) Excuse me. Literally, if we fully embrace this, uh, this theory of deconstructionalism, we would have to deconstruct ourselves and then deconstruct ourselves and then deconstruct ourselves and we'd spin ourselves into this cycle of philosophical babble that the Bible calls in 1 Corinthians 3.19 for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness. There is no wrong interpretation according to these people. And that's why they can look at you in a, with a straight face and, and, and if you answer them this question, do you believe in Jesus, they will look at you and say, absolutely. Because there's no absolutes. It's what you believe. It's, 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 it's the extent of your imagination. Romans chapter 1, 21 to 22. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. There are a lot of leaders emerging through the church. But the problem is we have a shortage of Bible teachers. Sorry. Just give me a timing, just to, because I've got that 23-minute clip coming up. Without any Bible teachers, we have a recipe for disaster. Because what is happening now is the counterfeit is coming in as the truth. And people are being sucked into this truth as a truth, or this falsehood as a truth. And can you imagine how difficult it is going to be to go to a young person and say to him, what you believe now is not biblical. And he's going to come and say to you, but I attend church so-and-so and my teacher is so-and-so. He is on TV and we have such a big church. Why is this not the truth? Here are some more buzzwords. Postmodernism, pluralism, relativism, interfaith. Transformation, transition, change, unity, tolerance, all occultic practices come in behind these words. For example, the emergent church is reviving pure Eastern mysticism disguised as, as old form Catholicism. Revival, they are reviving medieval liturgies and practices which they're getting from the Desert Fathers. These guys, they spend their lives on minimal food in the desert, getting hallucinations, getting influenced by the Eastern teachings coming in from the end of the Crusades, 
and this came into the church, where do you think a lot of the stuff in the Catholic church comes from? It comes from the East. They are reviving all of this stuff. Prayer labyrinths. They've got people walking around a church on labyrinths. Lecto Divina, sacred readings, a process of intense meditation and prayer with regard over specific short biblical passages. They're bringing in techniques of visualization, yoga, mantra chants. There was a clip I wanted to show you today of a teacher, the same guy, Rob Bell, actually teaching his young people how to meditate and go into a breathing technique from yoga. And all of these things are coming in from the New Age movement. Very, very dangerous. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 18 to 21, woe to those who draw sin along with cords of deceit and wickedness as with cart ropes. To those who say, let God hurry, let him hasten his work, we may see it, the plan of the Holy One of Israel, let us approach, let us come into view so we may know it. Woe to those who call good evil and good, uh, evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. The church, my friends, has been asleep and the world has changed. And now the church leaders, hirelings, have woken up, put their finger in their mouth, put it out, seen what society is doing and are now running towards society to get validation from them with regards to what they need to preach. They have now opened the doors for the wolves. And so the wolves have now come into the church with these teachings. How difficult it is going to be to speak to people who have been introduced to this firsthand, that have gotten saved in these pews firsthand, when their leaders say to you, there is no absolute authority, you can challenge whatever God says in his word. And the minute they say you can challenge whatever God says in his word, that impacts their behavior, and therefore anything goes. The leaders, these leaders, what they are starting to do is they are starting to dismantle the word of God, doctrine by doctrine, teaching by teaching, on how we can understand what we need to do to actually follow Jesus. And these leaders are giving people the option to challenge the authority of the word of God, and that opens the door up for them to be able to be deceived even further with regards to salvation and with regards to behavior. Until these young people are going to have nothing left but their own opinions within the church. Welcome to the postmodern church. Welcome to Babylon the Great. Amen. Well, you've seen that DVD and some of the statements in that DVD are pretty confronting, pretty frightening from, from our perspective. I 
wanted to add in a whole lot of other stuff, but I chose just to do use that DVD because it was fairly complete. There were a few guys that I didn't really wouldn't, wouldn't have included in mine, but to put together the clips I wanted would have taken far too much time for my young men that are tech savvy to do such things. So, in conclusion, after having seen that, what is the effect of this false teaching on young Christians? This is what really concerns me. You see, it gets the average young Christian who's not a student of the Word of God for themselves to begin to question whether they've been taught correctly or not. And when you place error next to truth or when you take truth out and I'll be talking about that later when truth becomes a lie and you feed it to young people and young people come through that system it puts them onto a very very shaky ground in which they become very susceptible to further attacks of the enemy and to be led further into error which is very very dangerous so they begin to question whether they've been taught the word of God correctly it makes them want to pursue new knowledge. And so they will begin to follow these teachers to gain gnosis, to gain knowledge and become spiritual like them because they want to hear from God the way these guys apparently or supposedly hear from God. And they will follow the methodology that these preachers are promoting. The other thing that will happen is these young people want to be activated by God. They want to be used of God. And so when they see these false signs and wonders, they want to do the same things. They want to copy the same things. And so they will begin to follow these guys into this wrong practice. All ideas have consequences when they are put into practice. Some ideas and concepts will affect this life. Unfortunately, when we come into the area of the things of God, when we come into the area of connecting with God, with Jesus, with the Word of God, with the cross of Jesus Christ, and with the behavior, the ideas and the consequences when practiced on these areas have eternal consequences. And that's what frightens me. Correctly pushing into the Bible and into the doctrines of Jesus Christ will, will, become, will, will, will conform us to become like Jesus Christ. It will not make us little Christs. I do not accept that doctrine in any way, shape or form. I do not accept the fact that we can become little gods. But it will conform us to the image of His Son. Adding to or deconstructing will get us to look outside of God for revelation. And that will have a dramatic effect on our destiny. The Bible gives us very, very clear protocols on how we should be approaching the living God. And we've got to stick to these. Don't get your directions from demonic doctrines. Don't get your directions and instructions from false teachers, from false prophets, from false apostles. Beware of things like the internet. Because everybody has an opinion, and anyone with a web page or a blog page is giving their opinion out. Judge the spirits, test the spirits, test what's behind those teachings. MP3s, like this one, test them, 
test me. Test this doctrine. Take your word out. Read the scriptures I've been giving you. Meditate the scriptures. Don't only read the specific scripture I'm quoting, but read above and below. Scripture will give itself an answer. Just continue reading. If you don't know how to get into a church that is, or, or how to recognize a church that, that is actually going to be able to give you some solid teaching, a way to start is to download the free book that I've written, Finding a Discipleship Environment, which gives you a, a, and, and puts into your hands some tools to be able to walk into a, a, a church gathering and be able to test that gathering to see whether they are actually a gathering that will biblically disciple you. You can get that book on www.life-house.net forward slash f-a-d-e dot pdf. Beware of cults. Beware of social cults. I'll be preaching on that in the, in the, in, in the future in, in, in the series. Beware of churches that are churches, biblically speaking, theoretically speaking, they are churches but they're using cultic teachings and cultic methodologies and opening the doors up to the occult, to the demons to come in. Be very, very careful. We are living in not only the last days, but the last hours of the last day. That's my belief. Everything we know and are as Christians, as children of God, these people are trying to rewrite it and redefine it by these counterfeits. They're trying to rewrite how and redefine how we pray how we worship God, how we interact with our God. And there are so many other facets of our true Christian life that these guys are coming in and deconstructing or adding to to redefine and apply a Gnostic viewpoint, a New Age viewpoint, which when we put these things into practice, it changes our faith. Kenneth Hagen states in... Uh, the right and wrong thinking of the Rima Manual, page 27 from the 1986 issue, one almost has to bypass the brain and operate from the inner man, which is our heart or spirit. I'm going to be talking about that later on, where, where, where we are encouraged to look within ourselves to get truth, where we, we, we are encouraged to bypass our intellect because that's where we're going to find spirituality. No, don't let anyone tell you to switch off your brain. Don't let anyone tell you to look within yourself to find an inner Christ. Or any other Gnostic or New Age garbage methodology. Or to encourage you to try and rely on your experience over above what the Word of God is actually saying to us. Always be self-controlled. Always be watchful. Always be alert. I always tell my young people here at LifeHouse that I, when, when I teach spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare trains us, first of all, to be alert because we have an enemy and he wants to destroy us. End Times teachings trains us to be watchful because the, one of the biggest signs of the end times is going to be the deception coming in to the church, against the church, within the church, to deceive the elect if it were possible. You first test them against God's word. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. Don't be shamed into not testing these guys. Test me. Definitely. Take the word of God and apply what I've been teaching and apply it to the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 to 22. Now it is God 
who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteed in what is to come. 1 John 2, 26-27 I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has been taught you, remain in him. Test, 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 test. I'm going to read you a number of scriptures with regards to what the Bible has to say about false prophets. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll start off in the Old Testament and we'll work our way through into the New Testament. Take these scriptures, go meditate upon them, think about them, and begin to set your alert levels up because the enemy is out to deceive the elect if it were possible. Watch out for false prophets. Deuteronomy 18, 20-22 says, But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, How can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. Jeremiah 27.15 I have not sent them, declares the Lord. They are prophesying lies in my name. Therefore I will banish you and you will perish, both you and the prophets who prophesy to you. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life. Matthew 7.15 Watch out for false prophets, Jesus says. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Matthew 24, 23-27 At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Messiah, or there he, he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, this is the, uh, there he is, out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. 2 Peter 2.1 But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. 1 John 4 verse 1 Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Titus 3.10, warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. So, where will all this end up? Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. We'll continue on next week with regards to how the enemy is coming in and trying to um, add to the word and take away from the word. Uh, look forward to hearing from. Uh, look forward to sharing this with you again. God bless.